Welcome to RN.FM, Nursing Unleashed, where every Monday night, nurse bloggers Kevin Ross, Keith Carlson, and Anna Morrison bring you ultra-informative interviews with the top thought leaders in nursing, healthcare, and entrepreneurship. Join us every week for the latest strategies for nursing success from top nursing consultants, business owners, coaches, authors, speakers, and bloggers. It's never been easier to learn how to succeed as a nurse. Welcome to an eye-opening experience you won't won't find anywhere else. Anywhere else. Anywhere else. Good evening and welcome to RNFM Radio. We are so thrilled that you are with us tonight. We have an incredibly special episode planned for you this evening. Um, just a great, great set of guests. We've got two for one tonight. Dr. Dean Burke and his wife, Syl Burke, who's a nurse. Um, we're very, very excited to introduce them to you. Before we do that, we want to give a shout-out uh, to our tweeters, our Facebookers, everybody on LinkedIn who connects with us. Thank you so very much for being so supportive of the show and for tuning in every week. I'm going to let uh, Kevin and Keith come on. Kevin, tell us how, how they can get in touch with us during the show tonight. Well, actually, um, there are many ways you can get in touch with us. Uh, listen to the show tonight. And um, that would actually be on blogtalkradio.com forward slash RNFM radio. But if you can't listen to us live this evening, of course, you can catch us on iTunes. And I know several of you out there um, can find us on iTunes. And that's uh, all one word, RNFM radio. Check us out on promednetwork.com forward slash RNFM radio. And, of course, rnfmradio.com. And please join us in the tweet chat. um, And that would be tweetchat.com forward slash room, forward slash RNFM radio. So we already have uh, Andrew Lopez, I believe, Sherry Lynn 88, and I think I saw Rand Patterson in there, too. So Hi, yes, John. Hi, in. Andrew, Sherry, and Rand. What's going on, guys? Yeah, all Good right. to see you back in Tweet Chat. Yeah. Yeah, and Tweet Chat gets really going during the show, guys, so uh, jump on in there if you can. Once again, that's tweetchat.com, forward slash room, forward slash RNFM radio. Um, so, Kevin, how you doing tonight? Uh, I'm good. I'm really excited. I'm I know really, you are. <laughs> I mean, I get excited about the shows, but I, I truly am excited about the guests that we have on this evening. I really am, and I'm not just saying that. I know. You don't Steve, say that how you to doing, all the buddy? guests, do I'm great. <laughs> I'm great. I'm really excited to have Dean and, and Syl on the show. Um, I was really happy to review Dean's book sometime in late 2011 on my blog, Digital Doorway, and it's a wonderful book. I have it right on my shelf. And Dean and I have gone back and forth a couple times, and Syl was actually kind enough to interview me about my life and my blogging practice on the Millionaire Nurse blog this past week. So that's up on I the blog. I saw and, that this morning. Yeah, yeah and great we'll tweet that out again. So, so um, Syl was very kind and very patient interviewing me, and we had a very nice chat. So I welcome them heartily, and it'll be a great night. It's going to be a great night. So before we get into the interview, just want to um, list our guests for the next couple of weeks or, or let you guys know what's going on. We are um, we're going to take a break next week. This is the first time we've taken a break. Um, so we're going to actually take a break for Easter in honor of Easter and the uh, our family time and our sugar comas. Um, so next week on the 9th, we will not be... Um, Airing a live show, we may decide to air one of our uh, one of our you know uh, reruns, something like that. I'm not sure the decision hasn't been made, so so we'll let you know about that though on social media um, and on our website. And following uh, the following week, Monday the 16th, we're very excited. We are going to have best-selling uh, number one New York Times best-selling uh, nursing author Carol Gino 
um, on with us. And we're really excited to have Carol. Carol's been um, a longtime supporter of the show. She is frequently in tweet chat. She calls in. She's just a great friend um, to the show and to us personally. And so we're very excited to have Carol on. Uh, she'll be a very lively guest. And then on the 23rd, I've been told we have a mystery guest which really translates Ooh. to we have lots of possibilities, but we haven't actually nailed one down. So um, <laughs> stay tuned stay tuned for our mystery guest on the 23rd. It's going to be somebody good. We're, we're juggling a couple of different guests, and so we'll, uh, we'll get somebody nailed down for the 23rd. Can't wait. Be Can't wait for the mystery guest, right? I know. Mm-hmm. Let me know <laughs> when you find out. I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah, let me know, too. Great. You, you got it, guys. I'll, I'll let you know. I'll Thank get right you. on that. Um, so, without any further ado, I would love to introduce tonight's guest. We have got Dr. Dean Burke, who is the author of The Millionaire Nurse, a proven financial first aid kit for building wealth and achieving freedom. He is a fellow of the American College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists. Dr. Dean has been practicing OBGYN for 25 years, but it wasn't until the nurses in his office approached him for financial advice that his passion for sharing financial secrets with nurses was born. Soon, he was hosting weekly office meetings with his nurses. Do you guys know any doctors who do this? This is great. (laughs) The results were transformational. The movement grew, and today, Dr. Dean's wealth-building keynote speeches are enjoyed by nursing audiences nationwide. Dr. Dean graduated summa cum laude from Georgia Southwestern University and then graduated from the Medical College of Georgia in Augusta, Georgia. He completed specialty training at Mercer University School of Medicine. His wife, Syl, is a registered nurse. She currently holds a public health job that she adores. Most of her many years of nursing have been, have been spent in women's health. In public health, however, she gets to do a lot of that and feel like she's really making a difference. This is a quote from Syl. If you've got an STD, let her know. She's going get, to get you straight. <laughs> I'm very excited to hear all about that. In fact. Um, and she's very, very serious about nutrition, about exercising. She likes to ride bikes, her bike, jog, read, write, garden. And she makes fresh be- bread from freshly ground wheat that she grinds herself, mostly because she says she's cheap and it's healthy for you. <laughs> um, you know, Syl Syl and, and Dean say they have entrepreneurial spirits that motivate them to build new businesses and learn new tasks. They're going places, doing things, even if it's just sitting at their computer screens on the internet. Come along and let's welcome they want to welcome you on their journey of financial independence. I'd like to introduce both Dr. Dean and Syl Dr. Dean Burke, excuse me, and Syl Burke. Welcome guys. Good evening. How are you guys? Thanks, Anna. Good. How are you? How are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> great, great. So, you know, Dr. Dean, I'd like to start with you. Tell us a little bit about how you began offering financial advice to nurses. Well, as I mentioned, it started because nurses were asking me financial questions, and that by itself is kind of strange because my brother's a my CPA, and he he has a lot of doctor clients, and he's told me a million times most of them are the worst money managers that he has as clients. So um, I guess I'm just kind of strange that way. (laughs) Or unique. (laughs) Right, right, right. right. Exactly. But uh, one thing I noticed when I get questions from nurses is that frequently the, the questions are coming from angles that tells me 
they don't really understand the, the basics. I mean, for example, I commonly get asked about stocks that are in the news. Uh, most recently, of course, it's Facebook. Uh, Apple mm-hmm. always comes up, and these are people that are, you know, have credit card debt, student loan debt, and they're wanting to know whether they should be buying those kind of uh, speculative stocks. Uh huh. Right. You just right. have to say, wait a minute, let's let's get down to the basics before you start that sort of. Uh, sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, the basics aren't very sexy, are they? Yeah. They're That's quite the boring. Right. Except mm-hmm. to me. <laughs> <Except> <laughs> to me, they're exciting. <laughs> right, right. But you know the Facebook and IPO. That's pretty sexy. But but you know the the cranking down your debt, not so much. Right, right. Paying off the credit cards doesn't sound very right. exciting. and doesn't right. make headlines either. But um, Syl, this is Keith. I have a question for you. So when this was all happening with Dean, was he coming home and telling you, God, these nurses don't know how to manage their money at all, or? Were you were you part of that conversation and realizing that there was really something something to really dig into here? And were you involved at that early stage? Well, always involved in all the things that we do. I mean, that part's the truth. Um and then he doesn't he wouldn't he would not talk like that about someone actually to tell you the truth. <laughs> the Burks don't do that. Now the Silbert's might occasionally, but he's just he's just not like that. And he's really interested in that I mean I think that's why people people are drawn to him. And uh-huh. it's not uncommon for me to, you know, be someplace and, you know, oh, your husband and you know, and I have no idea who they are but I you know, they're they just have so many stories to share that are you know, that are so kind because he is I mean, that's just him. And he mm-hmm. likes to help. I mean it's just a... It's just one of those things, and he does enjoy business and those sorts of things. And when people have approached him, and, and as this got going, um, it just was a natural thing. And you know, I'm I'm always there in the background, you know, baking bread and stuff. <laughs> but you know, seriously, um, I didn't didn't pay her to say any of that, of course. <laughs> oh, but good. Baby, yes, you did. <laughs> well, you, baby, you pay for the bread, though. Yeah, you pay for the bread. <laughs> yeah. The bread is an interesting um, it, metaphor it, here, actually. Right. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's quite interesting. Yeah. A lot of love. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. we probably should uh, be careful about all that. But right. anyway, uh, so that's, I have been involved, but not so much. Um, I enjoy the, the day-to-day part and the, the budgeting and that sort of thing. Dean has, as I've said in other things before, he has that big picture view and can look at at retirement accounts and and honestly think that's interesting or that that's mm-hmm. it is worth the attention that it needs to be given. Where you know I'm I'm more in the I kind of want to make that happen. But I mean that's in that way we we are a good pair. But it's mm-hmm. helping people with those things is something he's just very he's very good at and he does explain things in such a way that um, people who are not really interested in it. Seem to to understand, and I'm not, you know, nurses, uh, you know, they they have been in school. They there are so many things they're very good at, and but not all of just as doctors. I mean, they're obviously not, um, you know, they have intelligence, but it might not be an area they especially, especially enjoy. And right, so right. that's where you know that's where he comes in with anyone. It just happens to be the field where he works that he's exposed to. 
and he's just working with these nurses, and so that has just really come about that these are the people that are approaching him. So right, right, right. right. Hmm. Hmm. Very interesting. Well, so Kevin here just uh, wanted to chime in. So ultimately, uh, what do you see are some of the greatest challenges for nurses uh, when it comes to money and financial management? Um, I guess the first thing is just making it a priority. Um, mm. I think uh, several years ago, and I don't remember who did it. I had it somewhere in my notes, uh, but there was a, a big survey done of, of thousands of nurses across the country, and uh, the number one concern of nurses was their finances and whether or not they would be able to have a uh, adequate retirement. Um, mm. And you might right. think burnout and, and patient load and those kind of things would be their number one concern, but it actually was was their money. Wow. So, so that speaks to the fact that, that it's on nurses' minds, but frequently it's just on their mind that they don't have enough and it kind of stops right. there. Right. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, Actually, to expand on that, um, I was watching one of your videos, and, and I do agree with this. Um, it is interesting, and I, I even did a video post on YouTube myself um, uh, last week talking about you and, of course, the show this evening. And you had given an example of, and I see I saw this happening, where nurses, they so they get out of college, they have that sort of that starving student mentality where we were all living off tuna fish and ramen and macaroni and cheese or whatever. Yet a job, you know, that pays pretty well um, when you're, especially when you're like in your 20-something, maybe you don't have kids and, you know, uh, a lot of sort of overhead, so to speak. And then it's like, okay, you want to upgrade the house. So you either make your own purchase or you uh, increase that rent because um, you want to buy another house. And then, of course, then you buy, the you know, the car uh, because you've got a junker that maybe needs a little work or too much work and you just... Like I said, you got a little extra coin in your pocket, so you start spending that money even before you are really making it. Mm. Um, and I, that really spoke to me because I did see that quite often, uh, even before I, I became a nurse. I saw that with some of my, um, I guess, sort of my college friends who were in nursing much earlier than I was. And here we were, you know, we would graduate college probably making like, I don't know, eight, ten bucks an hour doing what we do. I mean, you get a psychology degree or a business degree or whatever. You're just kind of working your way up the, the ladder. And then some of these nurses were coming out of, of school and they were making a pretty decent living. And they looked like they were living pretty well. But ultimately, mm-hmm. they, they seem to be extending themselves, overextending themselves. So um, I liked how you basically said, I guess my point is that you you take that car payment and you put it, you, you pay yourself, um, and well, you, you right. uh, stash that away. Exactly. I, I think a couple of points that you made there. One is is a common problem with with all of us is is what some people call lifestyle creep. They you get a little extra money, so you you develop a new habit. You know that might be upgrading your cable or upgrading your car or upgrading your home or whatever, you know, what, whatever money we make, we tend to spend and then a little bit more in America mm-hmm. right now. So that's probably the number one thing that people need to do if they want to be successful with their money is is that old-fashioned saying of uh, 
spend less than you earn. I mean, it's just... Live below your means, yeah. You, you have to do that if you want to be successful, and, and that's real hard for a lot of people. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, right. We just all want so much, and there's so much, you know, Internet and television, and, you know, it's just, oh, wow. Everybody wants all these things, and that just makes it so much harder, I think, is actually being able to see these things where, you know, not that many years ago, we just weren't exposed to all these cool things we could spend our money on, and um, it's just easier now, I think, to, to want more. Absolutely. There's access to more. There's there's advertising um, permeates our existence. Um, and, you know, we have forgotten how to find joy in the simple things. We have forgotten how to find joy in, you know, just in a relationship instead of showing, you know, uh, our love through buying each other things or, you know, that, that kind of thing instead of just doing a kind act. Um, so you're right. You're right. I have a question. Um, how how do you find nurses react to your financial advice? Do you see many? Do you see them, you know, accepting the advice, changing their ways, or you know, what do you find are the reactions and the challenges? Well, I think you know the like a lot of things, people have to be ready to to hear a message. Mm-hmm. Um, just like with uh, problems we face with patients, you know, losing weight, uh, sure. stopping smoking, uh, any sort of, I guess, addiction, you could say. Mm-hmm. People have to be ready for for the message. And my feeling is is I want to be repetitive enough that, that they're hearing it, that they know there's a source for that information. And when people decide they need it, I'll be easy to find. But on a one-on-one situation, you know, usually the people that approach me, are, you know, they have a question or a problem that we're working to solve, and that's mm-hmm. that's used fairly easy. But just in general, speaking to a group of nurses that maybe didn't want to be there and just happened to be listening to me, you know, obviously a lot of them are going to blow it off as it doesn't matter to them, you know, until... Until they can't pay for something they need, right. and, and then it comes, right. it comes back to bite. Suddenly, yeah, exactly. And and Dean or Sill, this is for either of you because Sill, you're a nurse, and Dean, you're a doctor, and you're working with nurses. Are there any special things you've noticed about nurses' relationships to money? Is it is it at all different from other people, or are there just universal themes and universal challenges that you find is just across the board, no matter who you talk to? Well, I think we all, you know, as as, uh, most of uh, people listening probably are uh, Americans, and we're all brought up in this this culture that we have, and and we have have so many possibilities of ways that we can spend money like we were talking about. It just makes it it very uh, difficult. But but nurses in particular... um, most all of them are working for an hourly wage, and and sometimes that limits people. The the, the folks that are nurse entrepreneurs that are working for themselves uh, look at life a little bit differently than people that are that are working for an hourly wage. And so that's one of the first things that I try to get people to understand is is at the end of the year you have a certain amount of money to spend and. 
whether that's coming in, in a, as an hourly wage or, or a salary or whether it's investment income or income from a second or third job. It, it's it's really all the, the same money and, and not, not get hung up on, on being a, quote, employee. Right, right. right. Yeah. Okay. Um, Anna, do we have a caller? Actually. We sure do. I just we have a caller, so I'd like to bring All that right. caller in if that's okay. Somebody with a question. Hi there, you're on the air. Hi, my name is Hugh. I'm calling from Virginia. Hi there. Uh, what a wonderful hey. show! I just came across it, and uh, it's so timely too for this economy. Uh, I'm actually a disabled senior citizen. I'm in the veterans health care system. I'm okay. practicing spiritual self-healing, and that's I'm showing improvements in my supposed non-curable diseases. But I'm also looking to step out of the allopathic and get into the uh, holistic medical field. And I, in doing that, started becoming entrepreneurial and came into contact with a burnt-out nurse who's doing the same thing. And I just wanted to make you aware of that, and I'm working on something huge that has limitless opportunities, and that's bringing spirituality into global economics and combining it with unconditional love. I'm wondering if you've delved into those areas yet or if you'd be interested in collaborating on some of this. Hmm. Is that question well, directed to all of us or to Dr. Burke? Yes, to all. Okay. I have not personally heard of it, but I, f- I find it fascinating, and I've written down everything you've said, and we'll Google it later because uh, I'm, I'm voraciously curious. All right. I'll give you the contact of my partner because she has a blog talk show also, and it's okay. Take, Take Action Life Coach. Okay. Take Action Life Coach. Yeah, Take well, Action Life you. Coach is a blog talk show, and uh, TakeActionLifeCoach.com is her website. Very good. Then we will look that up. Thank you so much for calling in and giving us Thank that you. information. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Thank All you. right. Thank you. And um, well, hey. we, well, I think that actually. Well, I'm sorry, Keith. Go ahead if you. No, please, Kevin. After you. Well, I was just going to say, um, you know, he seemed to really uh, set up what what I think was going to be our next question, in that, uh, you know, these are definitely. Um, some of the hardest financial times that we have uh, experienced. And, uh, I mean, certainly people are really suffering out there. And and I'll have to say, like, just a, a, a small did, tidbit of that, I can definitely speak from experience as, as a child. I mean, I certainly was one from, you know, my mother being disabled and out of work and being ends meet was, was very, very difficult. Um, but... You know, what advice are you giving right now to people who are out there that are really just, I mean, it's like we're buoys out there just trying to keep our heads above water. What advice are you giving right now? Well, you know, I think the, the, the first thing that people should do if they're struggling with their money is, is sit down and take a deep breath and try to figure out exactly where they are and why they are and how, how did they get to that point. Now, mm. if, if you're talking about a nurse that has a job 
and she's basically she or he is overspent, then you know they're just standard techniques for people to get out from under debt, and it boils down to slowing down or stopping your your spending, uh, get a second job to increase your your income, and trying to to knock out some of that debt. You know, sell your your golf clubs or or your some of your collectibles or whatever it is that you have that you can raise some money and, mm-hmm. and lower that that stress level you know and the quicker you do this the better uh, there's no doubt that that financial stress is a leading cause of uh, family breakup uh, right. and uh, so it's just not a way that you want to live so Getting getting a handle on that as as quickly as possible, I think, is is very important. Uh, but it it is not necessarily easy. That's why so many people struggle with it. But the the steps you have to take really are not complicated. They just sure. take a lot of self discipline. Right. Sure. And then right. sticking with it, and right. everyone has to be on the same page. Both uh, you know the spenders in the household have to just. Stop getting right. tripped up the things that are their passion, and you know everybody be focused on reaching the same goal. I think that's the people that I know and see, and you know, and, and my for myself too. It's easy to lose that focus, you know, when you're facing some great sale, or you know, in, sure. in the moment, like. And so having everybody say, and it's just, uh, you know, still say, you know, it's a, it's a spiritual thing, just you know, feeling like you're. Together and you know all those sorts of things really help every area of your life and just you know absolutely being together would, about something and I I know you as y'all coaches you two you're you're seeing people who are just struggling with in so many areas of their life and it it kind of shows it in every area these things they're having trouble with right right mm-hmm. I would think also especially if you have children you know that getting a buy-in from them would be extremely important. I mean, because you can get a buy-in from your partner, your spouse, uh, but getting a buy-in from the kids and really making this um, a, a team effort um, is just of, of supreme importance. Mm-hmm. Well, there's right. no doubt about it that uh, we all learn most of what we know about money from our parents. And, uh, right. If, if we didn't didn't get the training uh, as we become adults, so that's that's going to lead to problems, and if we struggle and finally figure out what we didn't know and, and get back on track, you know, the worst thing we could do would be to to, to not pass that on to our to our family. So uh, it's, it is a burden, but I think it's a very important job as a parent just to teach mm-hmm. the, the children the value of, of money. Sure, sure, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Before we move on, I want to announce our call-in number. If anybody else has any questions, our number is 347-308-8064. Again, that's 347-308-8064. We'd encourage you to call in now with any kind of financial questions you might have uh, for Dr. Dean Burke and Syl Burke, his wife. Um, Kevin, it looks like we might have uh, a question from the tweet chat. Is that right? Good. We actually have... We have a couple. I'm, I'm actually right. I'm pulling those in too. Um, oh yeah, no, that's that's actually that's actually the one that I was going to pull in. So from uh, Sherry Lynn eighty eight on on Tweet Chat, basically uh, her question is, what would your best tip be for a nurse who is still living at home 
and who's trying to claim her independence? Good question. Well, I guess the scenario here is she she is a nurse, so that should mean this day and age she has a job. Doesn't always, but you know, nursing has certainly survived this economic downturn better than most any other uh, profession. But uh, I think the main thing that you can do is take advantage of your lower overhead. And what that means is is that you start uh, putting money away. Uh, start thinking about opening a retirement account, a savings account, building up some money for emergencies, and building up money to to uh, put aside for, for moving out. Uh, I'm sure that's the, the goal is to, to get out from, from the parents. That's what we all want to do at some point. Nothing wrong with... Uh, Staying with them until you do get a little nest egg is some emergency money safe. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I have another question here from Tweet Chat. Um, this is Ellen Silvius. Um, she asks, "Do you recommend that nurses should carry disability insurance and/or long-term care insurance?" Uh, short answer is yes. Um, Give us your long answer as well. uh, The disability part probably is is the number one problem that the average person uh, ignores to their peril. We we all have a lot higher incidence of of, uh, becoming disabled than we do of dying, but everybody thinks or or understands or thinks they do understand life insurance, but we, we have a lot higher risk statistically of becoming disabled and unable to perform our, our job. So I think disability insurance is, is very important. But you do have to okay. put these things in order. I mean, you wouldn't go out and buy a disability insurance policy if you had 10 credit cards and you couldn't even make those payments. I mean, you, you do have right. to get your, your finances in order so that you can afford disability insurance. But it, it is very mm-hmm. important. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, the that makes sense. Care, what are, yeah. The long-term care insurance is certainly important these days, but that's something that most of us can put off to or closer to my age than the average listener probably is. Okay. Right. But the cost of long-term care insurance goes up um, exponentially once you have pre-existing conditions on board. Isn't that true? Well, it's true, but... Uh, again, just playing the, the, the odds. Obviously, you can't cover every possibility. But sure. in general, most of the experts, they used to say start shopping for long-term care insurance at age 60. But now, again, because costs have gone uh, up, it, uh, a lot of people are starting to recommend it more at 50 to 55 in that general but mm-hmm. insurance okay. is, is supposed to provide peace of mind. So if that's something that really frightens you, you know, you can certainly consider it at, at a younger age. The younger you are, mm-hmm. the less it, less it costs, but it is less an expensive, the cost, sure. it's an expensive policy. Long-term care insurance is, is costly. Right. 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 Well, some of us look at our adult children as our long-term care insurance. <laughs> 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 I hope my son's not listening right now. You're right. <laughs> Sorry, gonna, <laughs> I'm not sure ours would, but maybe they would. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Let me um, 
I'd like to ask a, a little bit, maybe this is a general question, but if you could give just some general budgeting tips that you um, think would be some good nuggets for our listeners, our nurse listeners out there. Well, I think one thing you need to do with budgeting is is, is write things down. Uh, it's really hard to juggle your finances in your brain and do it well. There are a lot of ways to do that. Uh, some folks love a spreadsheet. Uh, there's software like Quicken that, that uh, Seal has been using that probably shortly after it came out. Uh, mm-hmm. And I love Quicken. Now there's Mint. Okay. Mint Online is a free service that most people can can get. Yeah. We we don't have have it in our community, and that we have a lot of smaller banks, and Mint doesn't mm-hmm. always talk to these smaller community banks, but right. if you're using a, a Bank of America or a Wells Fargo or any of these you know, regional national banks, uh, they can sync with your Mint account and help you to keep up with your spending, and it takes a lot of the work out of it. Sure, sure. And for people who don't know, that is Mint.com, as in Mint the Spice, Mint.com, free service that will help uh, – track your spending, help you create budgets, create financial goals. You can um it, it really it's a tremendous uh service that will that will help you just get a handle on what's coming in and what's going out. Makes some really neat pretty graphs for you too if you like pictures. It sure does, doesn't it? <laughs> I played with that. Yeah. I don't oh, that's nice. Yeah, it depends on what you're things. looking at though. Um right. what, yeah, if it's all red, maybe not so good. Right. Well, I have, three, I have three young boys, and my pie chart, they pretty much took up the entire pie. Um, with, between the daycare and the activities and the clothing and the food, I mean, it was just, it was just kids, and everything else yeah. was just us. Uh, but I did want to add uh, to what you were saying about being a small town is that um, now, of course, I know Intuit bought uh, Mint, uh, probably a year and some change ago, I think. And then I remember when I emailed the, the one of the developers there, uh, or they had an option to email, and I asked them if they would check into working with my bank, and they did because it wasn't available. And I remember emailing them, and then probably, gosh, it was like two weeks later, they said, we support it now. So I, that yeah, might be an option for people out there. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really good to hear that, but work with you like that. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But uh, mm-hmm. just as you're saying, you know, but putting in and looking at the graphs and, you know, it's, sometimes you can get caught up in that. But if you do step back and actually look at what that graph might show you, it's places like groceries. That's supposed to be one of those just, you know, that's one of the areas where so many people really spend so much money. And it's, you know, to narrow that down, back off from that to, where are there areas in your grocery spending or with your boys? What are are there areas where you could you know, cut back some with the actual spending? And so right. I think it is that's what things like cooking and all that are and just being able to look at categories and it really does help you get a little bit of a handle and then actually look at it and then and then get serious with so what can I do differently? Where uh, you know you might not want to grind wheat and make bread. <laughs> right. right, exactly. <laughs> bread is yeah. so expensive. I just have a heart attack when I look at it. The store right. is so glass, like bread. But you know there are just you know 
if you, if you get really serious with it, there are still some things that you can, can really do to cut back. And, and when you realize, yes, I would rather spend my money on something else, but you have to realize where you can have that savings at. And mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. might can help you not buy that pair of shoes if you have to be a sure. crazy person like that. Right. 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 But well, you know, you, I that I really want my money to go somewhere else. But it's, it's recognizing yeah. that, yeah, i got, I yeah. got to cut that out. I don't right. want to do that anymore. So like well, for my, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead, um, Keith. Yeah, for my um, my wife and I, you know, you were mentioning gross, mentioning groceries. We tend to focus on buying a lot of food that's organic, and you know, we shop at the natural health food store, and that's kind of the place where we actually put a fair amount of our money because we, mm-hmm. we kind of put our money where our mouths are in terms of you know eating well, and you know, we don't go extravagant. We find ways to save money, but groceries is a way that we never really cut back even when we had a ch- had our child living at home and we look at lately especially we look at entertainment and concerts and dinners out and all those other ways that we can cut back that aren't taking away that you really can still have pleasure in your life not doing those things that you might do otherwise so mm-hmm. you know it's all it's a very personal priority where you decide to cut right well, that's that's right. the the big part about this is is getting on the same page with your partner, uh, talking these things out, and decide what are your values, you know, what are your goals. Right. And, and then build the, the spending plan. I, I like spending plan better than budget. Most people think a budget is a straitjacket, but a spending plan is just a plan. It, it, it doesn't mean that you can't change the plan if, if something comes up. But it, but you need that, that guideline and the, the, the kind of the outline of where you want to go, because otherwise you'll, you'll never get there. You don't. You don't have a right. map. You won't ever. Yeah. Well, and speaking of getting there, um, you know, when you're talking about savings, what what's uh, what's your ballpark percentage of what you would recommend for people to save per month on their income? Um. As a as a ideal goal, fifteen uh, percent is a is a nice number that most. Experts recommend. Now, I know people that are saving 30%, but obviously there are a lot of people that that aren't saving anything that are actually, you know, negative and in, in that they they spend more than they make because they're mm-hmm. using the credit cards to, to float themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, it's. I mean, it's easy to sort of rob Peter to pay Paul uh, with with the credit cards. I mean, we, gosh, coming off of uh, what was it, 2005. We had bought we bought a residence, uh, um, you know. I mean, it was basically banks were just giving money. I remember um, calling in to the mortgage company, just stating my income, and they're like, "Okay, you're good." I mean, my credit, our credit scores were great, um, but they just basically had approved us for way more house than we even wanted. We we knew the house that we wanted, and we just needed to get it approved for it. And and they actually approved us for two and a half times. Uh, what we were looking to spend, and wow. not to mention the banks just giving you credit card after credit card. Mm-hmm. Um, when you've got over uh, well over a hundred thousand plus in available credit to you, I mean, people can do some serious damage. That's I mean, just on credit cards alone. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, uh, and people do. I mean, it's the the shocking part of that is that people do do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Part of that is the American way. I mean, you know, banks are growing and expanding, and you know, there's stuff out there to buy, and just uh, and it's you can get caught up in that, and people 
do. And it's, it's and then at some point they have to pay for that or should. Right. I mean, there are ways, of course, people get around things, but um, at to a certain extent. And you know how sad, how sad to you know have this great future and yet it's just you know, you're passing so trouble. Mm-hmm. Let yourself get out of mm-hmm. control, but that does not mean that you can't make some changes, get control of things, and and you know, and still have to still meet that goal. But it might take a little bit longer, be a little bit harder. You know, you'll be sorry, but oh, the lessons you learn. I mean, that's that's what life is all about. So, right, right, as right. As bad as it is, it's still you know that's yeah. Look on that as a lesson learned. That's the other something I tell my children all the time. <laughs> what we learned from yeah, that, didn't yeah. We? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, talking to credit cards, I, uh, questions come up for me. How many credit cards would you recommend uh, limiting oneself to? Um, if you have a spending problem, zero is probably the best. <laughs> <laughs> right. So there if you, you conquered the spending problem, <laughs> if you once you conquer the spending problem, it really kind of depends on on your your goals. Uh, we have a a card that we use for gas that gets a five percent cash back, and sure. that in this day and age with gas prices so high, it, you know that's pretty good deal. Yeah, five percent of five percent of uh, four dollars a gallon is uh, what's that? That's, that's a chunk of change. Yeah. That, you, you can go across town to, to buy gas for twenty twenty cents less than what the the other station's selling it for. So that oh, that my. works pretty good. Uh, yeah, yeah. So having 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 a cards that kind of match what you do. If if you travel a lot and and uh, you know you guys are speaking in different places, having a you know a, a mileage card for for travel is is sure. worthwhile. What you want to do is make sure you you pay it off every month and watch it very carefully to make sure that that you don't more because you're using a credit card. There are a lot of studies sure. that say people that use credit cards in general are going to spend more than people that don't because it, it hurts you more to pull out real cash money to buy things. And sure, so sure. You're going to use cards, you need to use them responsibly. But uh, I'm I'm not one of those. There are people that, that get five or six cards to try to take advantage of a lot of different programs out there and you know, life's just too short for me to, to spend my time juggling credit cards. So, as I say, we have a card that we use for gas because it has that 5% cash back option. And, uh, and we sure. didn't have that as where we buy, where the, the cheapest place to buy gas where we live doesn't take the, um, the travel card. So, that was the main reason. And then, so it was at that point that we looked for the best card because we had to have another type card. And sure. so, but otherwise, I'm not sure that's really worth it. But um, you know, but and and I don't like debit cards. There's just too many, just so many things you read about debit cards and cash is just paying. So, so I like credit cards, but I don't like paying interest. And I mean, I remember the time I paid interest. <laughs> a long, right. long time. Ago. Yeah. The, the time you yeah. paid interest. I, mean, I, I remember. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, well, I mean, I did it one time. <laughs> One time, uh, just, God love you. One time, but I just, you know, I just, I'm, I'm really cheap. But um, 
you know, credit cards should be something that are beneficial to you. And if they, just like Dean said, if, if you cannot use them that way, then you really shouldn't have one. But I do think mm-hmm. it is so much easier to over to spend more than you would if you use a credit card. As, well, sure. You know, sure. I have mm-hmm. to care. License to spend. It is. It really is. So it's, you know, what you're going to do, but, you know, just know that, know that you got to yeah. pay that off every month, and it really will keep you in check. Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you, this, this is one thing not a lot of people know about me, and I'm, this is not something I'm, I'm ashamed of or anything because I've, I've risen sort of from the ashes. But I, um, you know, through a combination really of um, just not knowing much about how to manage my finances as a young person, um, in addition to some, some unwise business decisions, uh, got myself to a point where I actually had to declare bankruptcy. Um, and so I ended up declaring bankruptcy, and um, for several years after that, did not uh, even have any credit cards. And it was probably the most financially liberating um, experience ever, not to have credit cards and to actually have to live within my means. It was unreal. Um, and it taught me just in- an incredible lesson about learning to live um, not only within but below my means. And that is a lesson that um, I am so tremendously grateful to the universe for, for giving me that lesson and allowing me to go through that experience because it, it forever changed my relationship with money and it made me a very savvy business person moving forward and a very strict, um, you know, I'm very strict my, with my finances now having having risen from that experience. And so um, I I really am am very appreciative of this kind of advice that the two of you give because, um, you know, there are real-world consequences to not following this advice. Yeah, there are. And and people – but it's just so good that you were able to learn from it. I mean, some people – Oh, absolutely. That we think don't seem to be able to – I don't know if it's not able or – I don't know. Just don't don't want to make the choices. It's a it's a hard thing to do, isn't it? I mean, that was oh, not sure. Really. No, it is. And you you have to radically change it. Yeah. yeah. So if, if it was yeah. easy, everybody would do it, and they certainly don't. Right. So it's, it's, you're, <laughs> you're, you're, it's too bad you hadn't learned it the hard way, but it's just it's good that you did learn it. So that um, oh, absolutely. We all have to do things like that. Well, that's yeah. what life is all about. So. Absolutely. Right. Well, and I wanted to add a. <clears throat> sort of a savings piece in there. When I I did have some uh, credit card debt uh, getting out of school, and then of course I was able to start making some more heftier payments on the credit card. So I just set up my bank to just pay it every month, um, more than the minimum. Always paying more than the minimum. And um, once at, at some point I got a phone call from the credit card company, and of course you know they were like, Mr. Ross, this is. You know, so from X credit card company, whatever, whoever it was. And I said, oh, you know, is there something wrong with the account? I said, yeah, um, stop sending us money because I had I kept paying it automatically. They said, you don't have any more. You don't owe us anymore. We actually have to write you a check now and send it back to you. Good job, Kevin. Hey. Nice, Kevin. Right. Excuse Kevin. So, Kevin. But, but I guess... Right, right. It was, it was it, that was a nice call to get. Uh, but the but my point was I didn't miss that money because it accounted for uh-huh. it. It was in my budget. So I said, well, I'll just take that money and just automatically transfer it into my savings account every month. There you go. Uh, and that was kind of the mentality that I took. It was like, well, 
I I expected it to go away every month off to the credit card company, but and that's going back to sort of paying myself. That's um, right. I, I think that that automatically paying yourself, if you can make that that happen by some sort of automatic draft, and with all these technological advances that we have now, it's it's really easy to set up a an automatic savings account to to just shift some money off, and, and you don't have to think about it. And, and and if it's not in your account, you won't spend it. So. Um, that's certainly one of the first things I recommend people do that, that have never been able to save is even if it's $5 a month or $10 a month, just go ahead and start putting a little money away every month. And, and watching that balance grow just gives you some self-confidence. Yes, I, I can do this. And you wrote a post uh, maybe last fall, the one about um, the 401Ks. Um, and you know how you can get a million dollars in it and why it's, it's they're just kind of pushed aside. They're not really, you know, they're not that impressive. And um, the the money money wizards just uh, not really working. That's just not a good plan for people. And, you know, and basically all you have to do to make that work is put money in it. Take advantage of it. And right. It's mm-hmm. just that simple. It's a very good plan. But, um, you know, the hard part is, is, as Kevin was saying, is, you know, well, just, Put the money in it and take, have it taken out and do it, and it's a it's a great little you know, retirement plan. Just got to do it. Uh, last year, also with the they cut back on them out. They were taken out of your paycheck, your your taxes. You remember that they cut it from six to three percent. Right. Uh, oh, with the FICA last yeah. year. That's yeah. Right. And uh, so I wrote a, a post about that, suggesting people go talk to their uh, benefits department and, and have that 3% put in their 401k. And I have a lot of readers yeah. email me back and say they had done that. And uh, obviously when they start the 6% back again, uh, if they don't change it, you know, that 3% over time will add up. I, I've told people oh, sure. start at that 3 and then, then every year maybe go up a percent. Well, then, right. You know, 10, 10 years you're talking about real money. Well, and for a business owner too, you actually get a double. You get a benefit there because, as an employer, I, I employ myself, so I took that other. So, of course, the company, quote unquote, the company still paid uh, the original amount. So that other three percent, I threw it into my retirement fund, which I still I get tax breaks on both. So, on having to pay like that overhead, that tax, that FICA anyway, it's a tax write off, or at least it brings down my my uh, gross uh, proceeds. Um, and then, of course, then that other three percent I was adding into my uh, my self-employed retirement that was also shelved there. Yeah, I think people should take advantage when they get a raise or they have these these lump sums of money that that come in like a a tax refund check. Sure, it's fine to have a little fun with some of that, but try to put fifty percent or seventy-five percent aside for. Or something. So just get right. into that habit of, of putting some aside and, and then using a little bit for, for fun just to say that you have some fun if that's what it takes. I'd, I'd rather <laughs> sit by the pool and read a book myself, but uh, right. if you need to go out uh, to, to eat or whatever is your idea of fun, then, then it's, I'm all about fun. It just needs to be responsible. Oh, yeah. Fun. Yeah. 
Sure. You know, I I wanted to ask you, I, I have two sort of financial heroes um, in my life, and, and those two heroes are Susie Orman and Ramit Sethi. Um, I wanted to ask, who are your financial heroes or who are your financial influences that really um, influence and inform your philosophies? Well, uh, hmm. I think there's so many of them. The the two you mentioned, I think, are, are great uh, people. The Ramit, I, I heard him do a keynote last year, and he was wonderful. He he focuses on the income side. He he right. says, don't worry about buying a cup of coffee every week. If you can double and triple your income, that that little bit of spending on the on the Starbucks is not a big deal. Uh, and right. then, then there, there are other people like uh, Dave Ramsey that have, have uh, made a living on, on getting people out of debt, you know, trying to get sure. people out of that really deep hole like you were talking about you were in. And, and uh-huh. I think that, that, that he, he speaks to a, to a lot of people. Uh, right. The, another book that's out there is, uh, that influenced me was The, the Millionaire Next Door, Uh and that was uh, Dr. Stanley, I think is his name, one of the authors of that book. And it basically made the point that many of the millionaires in this country are, are folks like you and I that just put money aside. So right. they started their, their career and, and lived within their means, and you looked at their house and their car, you wouldn't know that they had a right. seven-figure bank account, but, but they did. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep. Very good, very good. Those are two very good ones. That's great. Yeah, thank you. So we're actually going to uh, take a quick break. And Sue and Dean, are you willing to come back after a two-minute break? Sure. Sure. Yeah? Absolutely. Okay, we may have some more callers and more tweet chatters. And um, I just want to tell okay. everyone that we'll be back in two minutes. And also, while you're on a break, and while we're on a break, if you want to go over to the millionairenurse.com, take Look at Dr. Dean's website, sign up for his wonderful newsletter, uh, look at his book. You can even download some of the book right from the website. So that's themillionairenurse.com. And Anna, you have the music queued up, and we'll be back in two minutes. You got it. Okay. You got it. Pretty girl, but she didn't seem to care. I gave her an electric. 
talking about now, which is saving money, uh, managing our money well, um, taking care of our finances, and putting our financial houses in order. So we're very happy to have Dr. Dean and Syl Burke back with us. And I, I, once again, I'd like to mention the millionairenurse.com, where you can read his blog, actually their blog, and sign up for the wonderful newsletter and also possibly download or read parts of the Millionaire Nurse book, which is a great book that I have here on my shelf at home. And my first question for you, actually, before we get on to some other subjects, is still, I know you've been had sort of a coming out recently in terms of being a, a upfront business partner, public partner with, with Dean, though I know you've been Bye. the woman behind the scenes for a while. So what's your role now that you're you're really... Stepping out into the into the public spotlight. Well, as you might imagine, I do all the work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, is is you Dean laughing? Have, I'm not sure. <laughs> oh yeah, well, might as well laugh. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, well, I do. We just share. You know, really, the whole the whole thing is pretty much a, a shared shared process. But um, we just come up with ideas together and Dean really does most of the writing. I do some of it. But um She probably writes twenty percent of the posts on the blog, uh and but edits every post. She's a very good editor and, and uh I edit her work and she edits mine and I get mad when she slashes some of my best lines and <laughs> she doesn't He thinks she's funny. Has a little trouble with that, but I, I'm working on it. Uh, that's what we do. That's we what share the writing and the ideas. Right, right. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. I keep keep trying to do my part, uh, but keep them just had to. You know, really wanted to do more writing on the blog, which is mainly the reason that I came out. And uh, well, I think it adds a little bit. You know, the the doctor thing turns some people off. You know, he's a rich doctor. Why should I listen to him? And, and so having having a nurse uh, as a, a headline writer, so to speak, I think does give us a little bit of a, a better uh, gravitas, so to speak, from, from being able to speak to nursing issues. Sure. Right. Sure. That's good. Yeah. Right. Well, as, as y'all 
a lot. No, There's no, just no, so much ahead. in the news about nurses against doctors and uh, just and so much of that. I mean, we see it. There's there's a lot of there are a lot of issues and problems and things that that are not new and that aren't going away. But you know, there are just personality conflicts because there just there just are. But anyway, some of that I'd like to address from time to time in the blog and that sort of thing. So that has right. to do with sure. it. Was, it felt like a good time to go ahead and do that. And we just have had so many issues going on in our families and all. And it was, things are, and I shouldn't say this, things are kind of quiet right now. I'm not, you know, <laughs> but um, always something going on. But anyway. Well, right. given that, that particular platform or that, that issue, if, if we would say, um, you know, that, that sort of speaks to, I think, well, whether you're a nurse or not, but we'll talk about nurses because, you know, this is FM radio here and we're nurses. Um, but, of course, we can include all the other uh, entrepreneurs out there. Uh, you know, so moving, transitioning out of what we think sometimes is that, that work life balance or, you know, there are some issues whether you're working as an employee or wherever you are in an office or a hospital, you know, we strike out on our own and we are now thinking about hanging our own shingle. So what advice are you giving um, for nurse entrepreneurs and business people out there? Whether that be, you know, just um, just from the startup, the type of entity, um, you know, what kind of savings you might need just to kind of sort of get your feet wet, things like that, working a part-time job? Well, I guess, you know, the first thing, it, it starts with, you know, what's your dream, what's your passion, what, what is it that, that gets your, your thoughts racing, what, what floats your boat? Uh, I think, as you guys know, being an entrepreneur uh, is a heck of a lot of work. You you don't have any off time because your mind is hard to turn it off you know, until you're right. in bed and going to sleep is a lot more difficult when you're working for yourself because you don't have any safety net. So right. you know, you have to you have to love what you do. And so so don't don't do a side job or an entrepreneurial job because you think you should. You need to, to, to be in love with it. But the next thing you have to do is is to to do research and make sure that, that at least there is a chance that you can make a living at whatever you're choosing to do. You, you've got to, sure. to make sure it's financially viable as much as possible. But but there comes a time when you do have to just jump off that cliff and, and, and plan on doing the best you can to, to make, <laughs> make the dream. That's right. <laughs> right, That's to right. live the dream. That's right. Well, I speak from experience, too, when it comes to lack of sleep, uh, being an entrepreneur. I actually slept those two minutes uh, that we took a break, so I'm refreshed and ready to go. Oh, well done, Kevin. That's all he'll sleep this 24-hour period as well. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, well, I, I have a particularly um, a particular question. You know, from a financial standpoint, what would you say is the most financially savvy uh, corporate structure for someone, um, for nurse entrepreneur or a small nursing business uh, as a startup, where are they going to get the most protection and the most sort of tax breaks, biggest bang for their buck by way of corporate structure? Well, first of all, I think people should 
not listen or go to me for for that kind of advice in that, that you really do, if you're going to have a business, you, you need a, a professional that, that understands what your dream is and will help mm-hmm. walk you through those things because uh, it really does require a, a, a CPA, I think, to, to analyze your your income and, and your mm-hmm. or potential income or dreamed income or whatever and, and your your cost structure and, and decide. I mean, those, right. those are usually tax-based questions and right you know but I, what I would say is you do need to have a plan I mean you need right. to to not just let it happen one of the most common causes of, of bankruptcy is actually self-employed people not remembering that they've got to pay those self-employment taxes and two or three years into their career they the IRS knocks on their door and says you know where's that Forty thousand dollars you owe up right. because you weren't taking the taxes out properly, right? And and they don't they're not uh, laughing about it, you know. That, mm-hmm. they, exactly. they can uh, do things like put you in jail and so forth. Sure, if you sure. Don't do that correctly. So so yeah. I, I I think that's a great question, and you know we're an LLC, uh, mm-hmm. which which I think is for a lot of people is is a good format. It's not right. too complicated, not too expensive to to become an LLC, but but you know there there are other ways to be a small business that don't don't require you know incorporating but but an LLC sure. is not that expensive uh-huh. right uh-huh. right and um dean or sil um what would you say are the the top skills let's say the top 3 skills to be a financially successful nurse Entrepreneur or business owner. What what are the things that you would say are the are the the things that you just can't skimp on? I think the most common thing or problem is is that people do have a dream but then don't follow through. Uh, mm-hmm. It is a lot of work, so you do need that that drive and that ability to. Produce. Uh, I don't know if any of you guys have read Seth Godin's uh, book. Yeah, but he's a great love Seth Godin. Uh, person to read. If yeah, you're he's... if you're going to be an entrepreneur, uh, you do need to read read his material. And he really focuses on, you know, having a dream, but being able to produce a product. And that product might be coaching people. It might be writing. It might be speaking. It may be uh, Developing that that cleaning business or, or, or sitter business or whatever mm-hmm. you, you're talking about, but you actually have to produce something that someone will want to buy, and, and right. you have to, to be able to to finish that. So I think uh, consistency and not being able, uh, not being afraid to to fail, but but you just got to be willing to deliver your product, whatever right. that is. That. Being willing to work when you really just don't think you can. That's right. And that happens a lot around here. That you know, working full-time jobs and doing things on the side. It's you know, there's that's that's quite a lot. And um, sure. It's but it's a real commitment and having to having to stay with it. It isn't. It's just things don't happen overnight. And no. But, it's, it's important to try to recognize that from the beginning that you know you're you have that that willingness and that just that that work ethic is 
something that um, we both have, and it's and hope, hopefully there are that our children do too. But it's we really can you know, credit our family for giving that to us. And I know you know talking with Keith, I and mean, he's you know our families are so important, and that's how we are, who we are today, and makes makes a lot of difference in having. Uh, or it's very important that we have these backgrounds that are so important for us. Right, but, um, right, right. For entrepreneurs, I, something recently I, I read, or a Wall Street Journal person, and I, anyway, uh, sell your solution, not your product. Which, right. Know, that, whatever it is, that's, I thought that was really deep, really good. That's an entrepreneurial right. thing, really. It's, you know, come up with that solution and make sure everybody's got to have it. Right. Sure. Whatever the product is. I thought that was good. Well, do you have any um sorry I was trying to screen a caller so I was off the air for a second there. Um they're just listening in. Do you have any nuggets um that you would basically, you know, in your opinion say, all right, we've talked about, you know, ways to to get out of debt. Uh but what about ways for nurses to increase their income? Well, I am so excited that you asked that question. <laughs> because yeah, that's that's our newest uh, endeavor. We're we're actually doing research for for a book on ways that uh, nurses can increase their income and and basically in general, if you're working as a staff nurse, which is probably you know you guys know that's probably the most common job that people have is just sure. working at a hospital. Uh huh. Um, right. The only way you can make more money in this day and age, most hospitals are not doing much in the way of raises, is is to work more hours or or get other jobs. So, right. In order to to make more money, you've got to advance your career in some way, and you've got to mm-hmm. figure out for yourself what that means to you. And, and so we're we're looking into to trying to research the different uh, ways that that nurses can advance their career and, and what. Uh, Avenues are open to them, and how they can go about that. So, so we're mm-hmm. in research mode. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, I'm assuming this is research mode, particularly related to uh, that largest segment of the nursing population that is in uh, involved in staff uh, staff positions. Is that correct? Well, that's right. I mean, uh, the the thing that made me think about this is, is there's a, and I can't remember. Where I think it was on Scrubs.com, but it, there was uh-huh. just an article about the, the top ten paid nursing career uh-huh. opportunities. You know, all us bloggers, we use numbers to to get people's attention. We love our, was, our lists, don't we? That's right. Lists, <laughs> lists are really good, and uh, so they they were just talking about the top ten, and and you know we won't have ten, but but we'll probably narrow it down to, to five or six and just for example the you know a nurse manager or a uh, uh, nurse anesthetist or a, a nurse clinician a nurse practitioner type job I mean there are a lot of those areas that, that nurses can grow into and with additional sure. training that, that they can increase their their income but you know obviously those types of jobs are not for everybody and, and sure. know, we want to try to try to help people figure out, you know, where they would fit best if they do want to grow. Some people are quite satisfied to 
to be a staff nurse, and that's what they want to do, and they they love it. And sure, right. Sure. Need those people, so it's not to denigrate anyone that that is, is happy with what they're doing, but it but it is for those that do want to grow, maybe to make that journey go a little bit easier if we can can get some some data in one place and some sure. information right. in one place. So that that's our latest project that we're working on. Yeah. Oh, well, you just answered one of my questions <laughs> about what, what yeah. projects are you working on. <laughs> right. But I think that and Keith has a question. Yeah, I had a quick question, Dean um, or Sil. I know, and Sil, you may have more of an answer to this than, than Dean because you're a nurse working with other nurses. Um, but what I'm hearing out on the street, so to speak, is that a lot of nurses are hesitant to go back to school pursue advanced degrees, and I would count myself among those nurses. I did pursue an advanced degree briefly and, and dropped out, honestly. Um, but we're hesitant to go back to school because of the cost of going to university or college in this country and the amount of time it takes to pay back student loans and the the income differential is so small in many areas once one gets an advanced degree that it often doesn't seem worthwhile. And do you all have anything to say uh, in terms of that particular issue? Right. Well, schooling is it is just really outrageously expensive, and you do want it to be because I'm I'm lucky, Keith. I went back and kind of and still think about it, but you know, it's not really what I want to do. So, um, but I like I like school, I like education. I just you know I could. If, if days were just a you know good bit longer, I could do so many more things. But um, but I don't know that the advanced degree nursing positions are what I want to do. Um, but I do like learning more about some of the areas. And so mm-hmm. um, you're just going to have to get more focused. I think um, people and you know not borrowing money. Not these aren't loans that need to be paid back and going to the local schools and getting a better paying job after each, each degree step along the way and um, and stay focused and stay, you know, live, live very tightly and, you know, because I agree, having huge student loans to pay back, then you're going to spend the, twice as long paying those loans back as you did in school. Right. And so, you know, it's just got to, as soon as you get focused on this, this is what you want to do, either get started back to school, even if you're not sure. Get get those those basic things down and get started as you make your way into the area that you really like. And and it, become a manager and things like that where... Well, I think, you know, you, know, you, you really answered your own question. You, you saw that, that what you were working for was not going to pay for itself. And, and I think that's the question that so many people don't, Answer, and you need to answer that question before you borrow the money, not not afterwards. You you need to look at that cost benefit number and, and look at the salaries and what what can you can you do and how long will it take you to pay back? Uh, look for scholarship opportunities. If, if a hospital uh, needs something, somebody in that position, they may be willing to, to pay for you to go as long as you promise to, to work it off for them. So. You know, you do have to be creative. I think, and this is not just for nurses. I mean, any student this day and age, sure. the cost of your education is just, it really is, you know, outrageous at a lot of institutions. And I see it every day. Uh, a lot of people go into a, a private nursing school 
because it's in another town, whereas the town they're living in has, has got a, uh, a very inexpensive public nursing school. And, you know, do you think the privately educated VSN uh, is going to get a higher paying job than a publicly educated VSN? Nope. I, I don't think so. No. Nope. Uh, I don't know anyone that's yep. going to pay them a, an extra salary because they went to that private right. school, but they, they've right. got that huge, huge debt that's hanging over us. So I'll it, tell it's you. It's sad today. Yeah. My first year in, uh, well, I, I had a very dear friend and I, we, um, we did all of our prerequisites together at the same um, public university and then I went on and finished my bachelor's of nursing at that public university. She went on, finished her bachelor's at a very prestigious private university. You know, I paid off my twelve thousand dollars total in tuition, uh, within a year. She's still paying off her forty thousand or sixty thousand or whatever it was. Um and, you know, in our first year in nursing and we learned earned the very same amount. And uh she really suffered. Um, right. under yeah. that debt. And so I think that you, I really firmly, firmly agree, and this goes across the board, not just for nurses, but for you know, law students, med students, you name it, engineering, whatever. You have got to be incredibly creative as how you finance this and think about this beforehand. Um, you know, as one of our tweet chatters uh, said in the tweet chat, you know, her sister became a lawyer. She won't even be able to pay off her loan interest for 10 years. And so, and that's um, just the interest. And that's just the interest, <laughs> right. right? And that's an attorney. Right. So, you know, there are programs out there. You know, for example, the National, uh, I believe it's the National Health Corps. Um, uh, it's a it's a government program that works. Um, it's a branch, I believe, of the the uh, Human Health and Services. Uh, I'm not. Don't take my word on it, but I, I do believe it's the National Health Corps. They will um, forgive and pay off all of your. You know, let's for example, for a nurse anesthetist program or a, a nurse practitioner program, you know, you will pay up front possibly for that for that program, but they will forgive all of that debt and all of that money mm-hmm. um, and or offer a scholarship up front if you are willing to work uh, the, the same amount of years they've paid for for the National Health Service. And so, right. you, yeah. You know, you'll either be in an urban or a rural setting, um, and it can be close to home, or you can choose mm-hmm. to go on an adventure and go somewhere else. But right. that's a great creative way to both finance your education and do something really great for your fellow Americans. You know, so mm-hmm. that that's a way to, to get creative. Right, and there's also the Indian Health Service. I live here in right. New Mexico, and there are ways to work on the Pueblos and the reservations out here in the West especially. Um, where they will pay your debt back. They, they'll forgive your debt if you work a certain number of years on the reservations. Right. Um, oh, but speaking of wiping one. out student loans, um, the same tweet shatter, Shari Lynn 88 asked a question. She said, I heard that if you work for a nonprofit for 10 years, they wipe your student loan debt. Have you ever heard of this? Uh, Dean uh, or- yeah, there's, there's several uh, federal programs for that. The, I think it's the N-E-L-R-P. I may have the acronym wrong, but it's, I've written several posts on the blog about that program. And there's an application process, and there are certain nonprofits that qualify. Um, usually it's underserved rural areas. Uh, mm-hmm. So okay. those programs are out there, uh, but they're they're always oversubscribed. In other words, Competitive, they I can imagine. Yeah. 
Yeah. I'm not sure how they make their decision. That is a governmental program. and Right. But I do know that we do have a link on the blog to that uh, to that federal site, and I think it's N-E-L-R-P is the acronym for, for that loan program. Yeah. Well, and, and here's the interesting piece, too. I've, I've looked into these uh, loan forgiveness uh, programs, and the unfortunate thing, well, I mean, I, I see where they're coming from initially. So I own my own company, but one of the services, or actually we provide quite a few services for people who are well underserved, and some of that population is the uh, developmental uh, disabilities uh, sort of population there, developmentally disabled. And then, of course, we also provide child, child care health, and that could either be for special needs children or not special needs, but ultimately we help bridge a lot of gaps. The thing is, is when you're self-employed, forget it. You get none mm. of that. And right. so, like, I can't even, um, I mean, I have some fairly hefty loans still that I'm paying for. Um, and And, yes, sure, I'm an entrepreneur. Sure, I own my own business. Uh, I do pretty well, but again, I do provide services. We provide services for just grossly underserved populations that actually fit the criteria of what these um, programs, like why they exist. Um, but yeah, you, you you hang your own shingle, and unfortunately, you just, I mean, I'm disqualified. That's right. It it is a federal program, and the you know the the nonprofits and the, the organizations that. That make you qualify for that loan program, or you know, they have a list, and if you're not on that list, you're not going to qualify. Yeah. Right. Well, here's a question then, and I and I ask everybody out there to call in three four seven three zero eight eight zero six four. I wanted to I wanted to ask this of everyone really. What are your thoughts on? Because um, we're talking about saving money. Um, what do you think about? So I've got three boys, and um, they're they're not near college age. But what about saving for them? What are your what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think the first thing to do is get your own financial house in order. Uh, I think us, there are a lot of people that that start saving for college and are still in debt, credit card debt or car debt or, or whatever uh, financial problem they have, and I, I don't think that's the best way to be successful long term. I do think that in general, you need to get your own financial house in order before you start saving for kids' college. That being said, the earlier you can save, the, the better off you are because it is, you know, a lot of money these days to, to send a kid to school. So the the 529 programs in general are probably the, the way to go for most people. Uh, most most states, there's, there's a lot of great websites out there for people to to do research on 529 programs and find find the one that's best for them, but uh, but they're you know, certainly the earlier you can start saving and, and again if you can make it automatic just to automatically put that money aside every month that's that's the best way to do it. Right. Well, and and I think it does. I mean, I I agree. You got to pay yourself first. You you definitely have to take care of yourself and. I've um I've butted a few heads personally on saving for my child. I mean, ultimately I do want to save for their college fund, but that's the thing I do see people just so strapped or neglecting their own savings in retirement to pay for their children to go to school. And you know, it's great that you're investing in your child's college fund or you know, their their college experience, 
and you don't want them to be saddled with debt, but what about that debt you might be saddled with when you're trying to borrow um, because, you know, you're retiring on a lot less than what you're accustomed to and really maybe not even accustomed to, but probably what you can even live on. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I think you definitely have to, to think about retirement savings first before you, you do college savings. So, for example, if, if you're putting away 15% towards retirement, then at that point in time, certainly start start adding to that college savings. But uh, if you're putting nothing or 3% against retirement, I, I wouldn't recommend spending a lot with the kids' education. Um, they may have to work part-time to right. pay for their own way, do the, the public education, and, and let it take six years to get through school instead of four. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. better than having a step for either one of them. Right. Harold, you're too young to really know what they want to do and to not like there's any, honestly, and I mean, in, in this I don't know if it's controversial or not, but um, I mean, I think it's okay for them to help pay their own way and to, you know, you're teaching them a lot more, I think. You teach them to be responsible and mm-hmm. you hand mm-hmm. them, if you hand someone something, and I work for the state, so I really see this up close and personal, but anything you hand to someone is not as appreciated as something that they had to work for. So, you know. Oh, absolutely. Feelings about you know I'm I'm all for saving for my children's education and I certainly did but I didn't mind that they worked and it was something that they had to when it was gone right. it was gone it was up to them how they spent it before that if they if they blew it then they still blew it you know I uh, I, I mentioned to Yorman before because she's one of my sort of financial uh, heroes but I I heard her once tell a family that it was perfectly fine to go ahead and do a 529 and save it for their kids' education and then allow their child to work their way through college, get take out some loans, et cetera, and really contribute and learn the value of contributing to their own education. And then upon graduation, as a graduation gift, let them know that they'll be, ta- you know, <laughs> now that you've graduated, now that you've received your degree and you've worked really hard for it and you've put yourself through school, we're going to go ahead and take care of your debt. You know, we'll go ahead and yeah. and take on that that debt. And I just thought, wow, what a great you know, because they're getting both the benefit of you you know your saving for them, as well as the benefit of that incredible life lesson about the value of a good education and really working for it. Right. Well, and another and thing that. is, and I think that's a wonderful idea. But uh, the, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of kids just aren't ready for for college. We all know that. I don't know the percentages, but but there's just so many kids who struggle that first year or two trying to decide what they want to do with their lives. Sure. And, and that clock is running, and they're spending a lot of money trying to find themselves. <laughs> so I really think that, uh, you know, a year doing community service, those programs that are out there, there are a lot of ways for kids to grow up a little bit before they start their, their college career. If, if you think your child is not ready I don't think there's anything wrong with just saying, okay, let's do something else for a little while and get a job sure. or do some volunteer work or join the Navy or you know, whatever it is that, that yeah. gets their, well, that, their passion. That was my own trajectory as well. Two years of college and 
dropped out, figured I, figured I needed to do a little more living before I uh, figured it out and uh, did a couple years of living and then went back and figured it out. So, yeah, I think that not everybody's path is uh, straight from A to B. And, um, you know, I, I, a good friend told me just the other day, you know, sometimes God writes straight with curly lines or curvy lines. And, you know, and that's, that's, I think, in many cases for kids in college, that's the case. You know, God will write straight, but sometimes it's going to take a curvy line. Um, so, and that's the case, and I think you're right. Let them have that freedom to step away, grow a little bit, learn about who they are and what they want before they go back and actually um, make those very expensive decisions about their direction. Well, we've seen that so many times with our own children and, well, and ourselves. I mean, Dean was one of those who was in medical school at 19. But me, like you, Anna, I mean, I was a college dropout and later on decided, well, yeah, I guess I really do need to do something else. Right and like like what I was doing, but it did not pay well. And so sure, I've sure. liked all my jobs, but gosh, I really I don't think I want to retire doing this. And so right and and didn't go back when I was ready, and all of it was coming out of my pocket all the way along there. And um, really, you know, pretty pretty careful about all of it. So mm-hmm. that was a very good experience. And, you know, it's all worked out fine. Just just because Dean was a child when he graduated. <laughs> He was Doogie Howser. He always knew everyone he did. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> and this is uh, this is key. But then he I found was, me. And yeah. I graduated from Go high ahead, school. That's okay. And I, I went to art school for a couple of years, and I dropped out because I realized it really wasn't what I needed. But I actually took my time and didn't go back to college till I was almost 30, actually. Um, and that was when I decided to go to nursing school because I just didn't want to spend the money on college just because I felt like the place I was supposed to be. Right. So I really took my time. I, I worked a lot of menial jobs. I became a massage therapist, yoga teacher. I did all those sorts of things. But those were relatively inexpensive endeavors. And it wasn't until I went to nursing school that I realized, yeah, this is something I can actually do and make a decent living at and help raise my family. And that's actually what it did. And 16 years later, it actually paid off. But it took my 20s to really just pay some debts and pay some dues and figure out what it was that I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And all mm-hmm. the things you did, I've just, you know, life lessons is all those little menial things you do, they really, you know, they, they add up into things that, you know, those, you learn skills you use later and, you know, those, sure. are, those, those, are, those are good years. Those are good things. That, you know, they make you who you back. are. Yeah. Sure. You know, that, those were useful menial, menial jobs. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. You know, good waitress, and you know, I <laughs> learned great skills doing that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You, you learn learn good people skills. <laughs> oh well, yeah, so, absolutely. Oh, so what? What do you do? I mean, the entrepreneur in me, and and of course the mission. I think I'm a good at triaging the situation. I also do business consulting, so I'm able to go in and assess situations, but assessing my own children. So. Here's the thought. Let's say um, I, I have an investment account that I've set up for each one of my boys, and uh, let's say they each have $100,000. So you get that $100,000 and you put it towards your college education, or, you know, and of course, I guess you have to triage your own situation, or do you say, okay, here is, you know, a chunk of the money, and I'm going to invest 
in maybe a business for yourself or some some kind of something that that they need to go through, some rite of passage, whether that be, you know, I don't know, so you know, like traveling. Of course, that does sound fun, like sending them to Europe for a year uh, to find themselves. I don't know, that might be cheaper. Uh, <laughs> but um, you know, I, I have thought about whether you know, and again, I'll have to look at my boys and like really be able to kind of hone in on that. So you know, do I say, all right, here's a hundred thousand dollars. You can do, you can start up a business. You can, I don't know, put a good down payment on a house, whatever. Uh, or do you just kind of like keep some control over that, or a lot more control than to say, you know, college is definitely the answer. Yeah, I mean, my personal opinion is is you really do have to individualize. I mean, some some kids are driven, and that that money going towards their education will not be wasted. And, and other kids, you know, they'll spend that hundred grand, you know, on, on beer every Friday night for their buddies. I mean, you know, they can run through a lot when when nobody's watching. So I, I, I do think. Are you speaking from experience, Dean? I am. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope no, he's remember, not he's Doogie Howser. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm not talking right. about me. Not personally, I guess. Okay. Not personally. We, we had children, too. So. Yeah, right. right. But if, if but if they actually start a microbrewery, that's okay. If they're if they're investing right. in the beer, like the hops, yeah, so if they're actually... With their own money, right. right. With their own money. Right. And we know so the record on those microbreweries. <laughs> <laughs> you can drink away profits pretty fast. Yeah. Right. But but I do think the idea that you got is a great one in that you don't have to just spend the money for college. I mean, I think that some kids need college, some kids need a technical education, and some kids need a, a different career path. And, and, you know, I think too many people this day and age push their kids to, to college when they're not ready. And I, I think that over the next 10 years, I think that's going to change because it has to, you know. College has just gotten too expensive, and people are going to figure that out eventually. That it's not a good investment for some people. Right. And not everybody, as you're saying, I mean, not everybody needs to be in college at 18 anyway. I mean, it's right. Sure. I mean, every kid's different. Our certainly were, and you know, we certainly were, and you know, and as our group here is discussing this, we're all pretty different too. So. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah I definitely, I personally got, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, I personally, I got so much more out of college, uh, you know, th- when I went back the second time, and I actually was paying for it myself, and I was actually wanting to be there and choosing myself to be there. It was um, a far more valuable experience and one that I was so much more invested in and so much more interested in. Um, so, yeah, you're absolutely right, and, and I, I keep thinking, had anybody given me a hundred thousand dollars at eighteen, dear God, you know, I mean, I would have done some exactly. serious damage. Yeah. There's no way that would have ended well for anyone. So, um, yeah, I just think that um, everybody's a little different, and, and you're right. Education can take many, many forms. And it's so hard as a parent to be objective about children anyway. Sure. You may think you can be, or try to be, or and and always mean well, but we're really right. too close. To I know, I know this mother was so. You know, just, just people are. That's a hard thing to do to be objective about children, about someone like that that you're so close to. Right. Right. It makes it hard. 
So, that's, um, you know, you touched on a little bit about the uh, project or a project. Um, what what can we expect uh, in the future? I, I mean, anything else in the pipeline um, that you've got going on that we can get really excited about? Well, I I, I want to do a, a course for personal finance, the basics for, for nurses, an, an online course. I've, I've actually got a lot of that done. And uh, but I found out a lot about an online business to, to, to have something like that. You really do have to have a, a pretty large audience. You have to have a big list of, of followers uh, because the percentage of people who are ready to stop and focus on that, that issue is, is relatively small the folks that are ready to do something. So uh, as soon as I feel like I have enough people that, that are interested in, in, a, in a course, that would be an online course that, that we would kind of go through these steps as a group, so to speak, of getting out of debt and figuring out how to develop a budget and what, what type of insurance is most important at what stage of life and college education and all those personal finance. So that's something I'd like to, to do. Okay. Okay. Sounds great. Great. And no, I'm sorry, Keith. Were you going to chime in there? No, please go ahead, Kev. Oh no, I was I was just going to say um, uh, to the both of you, where again, where can everybody find you on you know your websites, uh, Twitter, your various uh, social media platforms? Where can everybody find you? Well, the the blog URL is uh, blog.themillionairenurse.com. Uh, Millionairenurse.com is, is uh, the book and speaking website. It's just a, a fixed website. Uh, it does have some, some uh, budget templates and some information on it that people can download. But the, the blog where we write our... Uh, Articles and, and posts is, is blog.themillionairenurse.com. And okay. I'm Dr. Dean Burke on Twitter, and at Seal Burke is uh, Seal's handle. And, and that's Seal, C I L. C I L D U R K E. And of course, we're on Facebook and LinkedIn, and all those uh, links are on the blog. That would be the place to go. You can, can get to all of those places from the blog. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the I, blog is a great place for uh, for community guys. Um, really, a very active blog. Uh, so blog. TheMillionaireNurse.com, and then um, go grab a copy of The Millionaire Nurse if you want to get serious about your um, getting out of debt, saving money, and actually um, actually becoming a millionaire nurse. It is possible, um, and, and that's the exciting part. So. Um, let uh at the least get on uh Dr. Dean's uh, mailing list. I'm I'm on his newsletter list and very much look forward to his newsletters. Um lots of great advice, lots of great very mm-hmm. implementable tips. That's right. And over on rnfmradio.com our blog there's a uh reprint basically of a review of Dr. Dean's book The Inner Nurse that it was originally published on my blog and that review is up there for you as well and has links to his website and to the book website. Fantastic. Yeah. So Dean Dean and Syl, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for the generous time you've given us and all of the advice. 
Uh, we've been tweeting this out, and this uh, episode will be available archived on Blog Talk Radio and also on iTunes. So we can't thank you enough for your time and your enthusiasm and for being here with us tonight. We've enjoyed it. It's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. Good talk. Oh, thank you. Thank you okay. so much for joining us. And thanks thank for you. taking care of nurses. Yes, thank you. <laughs> we appreciate that. We love it. Okay, All right, guys, we'll be in great. touch. Thank Goodbye. you. Okay, good night. Bye-bye. All right, what fantastic guests. Love it. I know. I can't believe we only have 20 minutes left. Oh, dear. I know. <laughs> oh, dear, <Yes>. Keith says. <laughs> no, that was, that was fantastic. I um, was actually really happy to have them on because um, I think that as nurses, we um, have gotten ourselves into the habit of um, living paycheck to paycheck. Uh, I know that that's a very frequent uh, occurrence as a staff nurse, and um, it's an easy trap to fall into, and uh, it's 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 good to kind of get a bit of a reality check. And, mm-hmm. and not just reality check, but then some very tangible ways, and particularly in the book, some very tangible ways to um, get out of that, that rat race and that cycle and um, get into a cycle of, of really taking care of ourselves financially. Because we talk a lot, you know, here about taking ourselves, take care of ourselves health-wise, um, career-wise, but but financially really getting our house in order. We don't talk a lot about that, um, and I, I think that's very important. Mm. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it was interesting. I I actually wanted to add to that when we were talking about additional uh, ways to get revenue. Um, I think it does go back to paying yourself in the sense of when you save, what's that savings? It was funny because my wife asked me that. We we had, we were spending money on a service that we chose not to spend the money on. And she asked me, uh, what are we doing with savings? I mean, as if, not she was like ready to spend it, but I guess she was just kind of wondering like what we're doing with it. And I think that's actually a way to give yourself a raise. Right. Really look at everything that your your money's going out to, and then decide is this something that um, you know I really need. And uh, that's a good way to give yourself a raise. I mean that's immediate. So. Absolutely. You know, you look at that for example, like a Netflix. If you're not using it. Take that very same money, you have 15 bucks a month or whatever it is you'd be spending on Netflix, and start sending that automatically to your savings, you mm-hmm. know, or that or that extra, you know, if you're not using all your cable and you're, you find you're not, you don't have a lot of time and you're not watching it, cancel your cable, watch your favorite shows on Hulu or whatever, and, and take that money and send it automatically to your savings. Um mm-hmm. And, and I just think that starting to automate, A, automating, you know, technologies out there, if you're, yes. if you're with a pretty solid bank, start automatically, you know, I've got it set up with my bank, automatically on the 15th of the month, I take a certain percentage of everything, you know, of, of what's come in, and it goes automatically to my savings. I don't even think about it. So I've paid myself first right there. Um, and, and that's what we're talking about when we say pay yourself first. Um, so, and then, and then you know what kind of money you've got left over to play with. Mm-hmm. Right. Like to spend on a coach, for instance. <laughs> right. Right. Like to spend on a coach. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Good call, Keith. <laughs> Thank you. Right. I just had Way to, to bring it back around. Right. At nursekeith.com. Nursekeith.com. Exactly. Well, it's it's so true, though. I mean, and this even runs in, in across in businesses. Uh, and that's 
that's the piece where I could come in too and, and help businesses uh, because they're just like, well, you know, we're not. It's funny because I do. I talk to these businesses who have just a fixed income as far as like the stream of income. There's no other way they could they could bring in any other income. And these are very, right. like niche businesses. Um, this isn't like across the board for a lot of people, but ultimately, uh, you know, they're like, I can't, I can't create, I can't generate any more revenue. Um, so, I mean, there's so many ways. Yes. <laughs> there's, there's just so many ways to streamline, guys. I mean, just hear me out. There's so many, like, very or free options out there on how you can really just get that business, um, tighten things down, and you won't even feel, you'll actually probably be more productive with some of the things that I could tell you about. Um, and so, you know, if, if you're stuck with a revenue, like you just can't get any more revenue coming in, um, then start looking at ways that you can sort of offload some of those expenses onto and like get the same, if not better, services. So, right, right, yeah. or just call Kevin, and uh, well, <laughs> he'll, he'll he'll help you walk walk you through it. Um, he's a, he's a great consultant uh, in that way. Well, no, well, thanks for the plug. I wasn't trying to do, but I was just saying that you know it, no, it's, but definitely it's true. A passion. You're a phenomenal it's a passion business consultant. Yeah. That uh, you know that Dean was talking about, sort of looking looking at big picture stuff, and then bringing it up. And I said I do relate to Phil was talking about um, you know cutting the uh, coupons. You know I'm right. I'm definitely into that. Are you an extreme couponer, Kevin? Uh, pretty close to it. I think pretty he might be. You know, but I think nice. most of that money he saves on coupons, he's depositing in my PayPal account. You know, middle of each month, so. You know, it works out really well for me on this end. For you as well, right, right. Yeah. The oh, love yeah. is shared. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's perfect. It's perfect. That's so. great. Yeah. Wow. All right. Any any nursing news we need to get to this week, guys? Anything come up? Nursing news. Nursing news. There's one thing I'm just confused about that I just want to mention about nursing news. Sure. Um you know, recently I posted something on Twitter, and I might have even posted on my blog, I'm not sure, that I think it was U.S. News or one of those other news organizations came out saying that nursing is the is the occupation of 2012, that that's where yeah. the jobs are and nursing is it. You know, it's like the go-to job for 2012. I but saw the, that. The, right, but then the following week we get this report coming out that – the nursing shortage is over and that there's really not going to be any jobs for nurses until 2020. And I'm very confused personally about one, how to blog about this, that dichotomy I'm hearing about and what to believe in terms of what's being reported about the, the nursing job market out there. And I know people are interested in this because there's a lot of people graduating from nursing school. So do you two have any insight? Have you heard anything? Uh, about the about the job market with the um, with the nurses graduating. Is that, I'm sorry, I was trying to work on my technical stuff. Yeah, here. well, it's it's the dichotomy of them everyone saying that oh yeah, this is the hot job market right now for oh, nurses yeah. in 2012. But then right. the the next report saying well, there's not going to be any jobs till 2020. It's, right. It's, it's a different time. I mean, um, I certainly got a job at uh, Johns Hopkins being here in Colorado. I flew out there, interviewed, and I got the job. Like before, I got off the plane coming back to Colorado, I got the job offer, um, and that was like right out of school. 
Um, it's a different diff- time now. Yeah. Different time. Different time. You know what? What I think is um, is going on is a. I mean, listen. So many jobs are being eliminated in America right now, and what's happening is we are moving to a service-based economy. So you know, we're going to have a, a whole lot of uh, Walmart jobs, a whole lot of McDonald's, you know, order-taking jobs. Um, frequently, you know, people find either they are over-educated for uh, the jobs that are out there or severely undereducated, right? Because those middle-of-the-road jobs are disappearing. Well, one of those sort of quote-unquote middle-of-the-road jobs, if you will, that is not disappearing is nursing. It's still there. It's still uh, relatively, I'll put in quotation marks, healthy. The problem is what's happening is, um, at least I'm, I'm seeing this down in in South Florida where I live and where I have a lot of uh, friends who are in nursing, you know, full-time jobs are becoming a scarcity. What is not becoming a scarcity necessarily is per diem jobs, maybe part-time um, here and there, but a full-time job, a job with full-time benefits, those things are going by the wayside because they, they freak, you know, cost too much. And so what's happening is, is uh, employers are, you know, replacing those full-time positions with per diem positions. They don't have to pay for uh, benefits or insurance, and um, that's starting, you know, to be the trend. Uh, I know in the facility that that I still do per diem ships in. This is the trend, and it's a trend to be more profitable and be more lean, uh, and that's how it's showing up for them. So, yes, there is nursing work to be had. Are there nursing full-time jobs to be had? And are those jobs available to new grads? That's a whole different question. Right. You know, um, they're available, I think, to experienced nurses to a point. Some experienced nurses then become too expensive, right? And they, they've stopped hiring those very expensive experienced nurses. So it's really, in, in many ways, a, a catch-22, I think, for a lot of nurses out there. Scary. It is. It's, it's terribly frightening. Uh, for for a lot of nurses out there, you're either underqualified or you're overqualified, and um, you know I've heard a lot of people say, "Don't give up your full time job because you won't get it back." Right. You know, and and that can be scary, which is which is why nurse entrepreneurship, for example, provides a really nice alternative um, because if you know we have these incredibly marketable skills, incredibly valuable and necessary and needed skills um, that. You know, when when applied in the right way in the right markets, um, can really uh, improve our lives and the lives of others. Amen, sister. Now I'll get off my soapbox. <laughs> oh, yes, please but, add something. There is somebody. No, want, is that no, Keith? That's Keith, but you're muted. Keith, you're muted. Come back to us, brother. Keith, are no. you there? I can't. Keith, you're gone. See, I got I got. If everybody listening out there, I've got him on uh, FaceTime, so um, I can see that he's trying to talk, but he, but now he's figuring it out. So, anyway, he's having some issues. <laughs> problems in paradise, yes, sir, Keith. There's problems yeah, in paradise. Exactly. He we don't type, hear you on the air. He could just type sort but, of on our producer. Yeah, why don't you uh, type what you'd like to say, and we'll translate for you. Yeah, we're happy to speak for you, Keith. I mean, you know, we we try to help you know the disabled we become able. And we'll read it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Go ahead. Yeah, type cool. it out, Keith. It's all good. Um, Poor guy. 
I I think no, expanding on what you were saying, Anna, with the being an entrepreneur, I I, I honestly think it's a great time to um, sort of forge those, um, you know, take those aspirations, those dreams. He's still trying to work with his microphone. I see him, but um, and you know what? I don't know. I mean, I'm a risk taker. Uh-huh. I say go for it. I really do. Take take the opportunity because you know it's a service based. Uh, you know, I think service based businesses out there are really uh, growing, and yeah. um, yeah, well, you know, and here's an interesting thing. I mean, it was so funny, and he's still he's still messing with his mic. He's making me crack up on FaceTime. <laughs> um, anyway, if, uh, if that, you guys don't know what FaceTime is, it, we can see each other via video while we yeah. do this show because we're in three different states, so it makes it easier, you know, our, our physical cues. But Sorry. Keith is having a, a meltdown trying to get on his mic. But yeah, this is it's a crazy time. I mean, Best Buy, big box store. I mean, Circuit City went out of business a few years ago. Best Buy is actually struggling. Um, right. You know, businesses big like that. Are struggling. I think across the board, it's just going to be a lot of us smaller businesses out there. You know, so go ahead and invest in your smaller business, but but create a small business, start a small business. That's where it's really going to come down to. I mean, stores like that can't deal with that that type of overhead. And you know, I'm not right. trying to take a jab at Best Buy, but ultimately. Small business. Um, I'm very agile. Um, I can I can move and flex and evolve. Right, right. Mm-hmm. So I wanna I wanna bring something in from the tweet chat. You know, speaking of nurse entrepreneurship, you know, when we talk about nurse entrepreneurship, you know, frequently people think, oh, home health care, right? That's where everybody's head goes. That's not entirely all that we're talking about. I mean, if you consider someone like Carol Gino, she, you know, she's a nurse author. Right, um, so and she wrote books back in the eighties, guys. That she is still making residual income on, right? I mean, books that were released twenty five years ago that she hasn't spent time marketing or doing anything with. But what does she get every month? She gets residual checks on these books that she wrote, you know, twenty five years ago that are still up on Amazon that are still turning people on, and that by the way are still damn great books. So. You know, I mean, you you create a product such as a book or an audio, DVD, you know, CD, DVD, you name it, whatever, some form of training product, and you put it up on a platform that is evergreen and sells for you in your sleep, and you can make residual income for years and years. It's a great idea. Okay. Yeah. Keith, are you back? I'm yeah, he is. Hey, brother. Hey. Welcome back. Thank you. I'm no longer mute. Excellent. We've got seven minutes. Tear it up, Keith. Tear it up. I think residual income is really is really one of the ways to go. And you know, some of my residual income is selling ads on my blog, for instance. And right. um, I have writing jobs with different websites, and I blog for several nursing websites. And you know, part of it has just been building an online presence, and then leveraging my skills to bring in some extra income here and there. So right. it all depends what you like to do, what you enjoy doing, and what, what you're able to do and, and actually make a little money at. So, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm, absolutely. I think we really do have to think creatively. And I have a cousin who's graduating from nursing school, and I know she's very nervous about getting a job. But I do sure. think what you were saying, Anna, we have to redefine what it means to have a job because it's, it's not what it used to be. It's really not. It's not, you know, it's not the scenario where, you know, 
our parents stayed at the same job for 35, 40 years, and then they got a big retirement party, and, and, and that was it, and they worked that one job, that one company, or, or whatever it was. You know, things aren't like that anymore. And, no. you know, things are not going to look that way probably ever again. Um, the landscape has changed, and therefore we need to remain agile and change with it. Um, and I think that developing ourselves and our skills and our multiple streams of residual income is one way to stay one step ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So. And also, you know, Kevin has his kids selling lemonade every weekend, and that money goes, you know, right in the family bank account. So. Right, right. That's there important. you go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's great. I know. I'm I'm always trying to think of those ki- like ways to like generate revenue with my kids, you know? I mean, you got these people out there doing these viral videos and stuff. I mean, uh, what was the kid that Charlie, who bit the finger, um, half a million dollars. Did you guys ever see that YouTube video where this kid, yeah, they were brothers, and the kid was probably about two years old, and then there was the baby. I think there was like two years in between him or something like that. Um, And he just put his finger in his brother's mouth, brother's a baby, with, with new teeth. Um, and then he just, you know, basically says, "Ow, Charlie, that really hurts." And it was just kind of funny. Just, it's like twenty-five, what was it, twenty-five seconds or forty seconds of like video, and uh-huh. literally um, on YouTube. Uh, I mean, a few years later, half a million dollars in revenue that that the parents have gotten from this because they're de- now they're actually developing games out of it, and there's been commercial oh or gosh, it's, it's nuts. And you know, hey guys, Kevin, great. put I'm, those boys to work. I know, and I'm not knocking. I'm not knocking these individuals in any way. I'm just saying that, um, uh, damn, I've got to make my own. I got to generate some revenue here for these kids. I know I've got you got a video camera somewhere, house. Kevin. <laughs> yeah, I, I am. I am going to. Um, I'm going to just turn the cameras on. So there you go. Twenty-four-seven. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, guys, we're we're down to just a, a last few uh, parting words here. Should I go ahead and announce the guests for the following weeks? Yes, but let me first say, um, you know, everybody have a happy holiday if you celebrate uh, Easter next week. And I told you last week, stay away from the peeps. Peeps. I just have (laughs) to get on that soapbox for a minute. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead. No, I I second stay away from the peeps. I was a peep fanatic when I was younger, and um, I'm completely off the sugar now, so no peeps for me. But... um, Yes, stay with the peeps. But go for the hard-boiled eggs. They're much better for you. Okay, so um, next week's guest, we have no guest next week. Next week is Easter, so we're going to take a little hiatus, a little break. Um, we may or may not run a rerun, so stay tuned for that. You'll see on social media we'll announce that. Um, on the 16th, we have Carol Gino, nurse author, um, and that will just be a tremendous, tremendous uh, interview. You don't want to miss that. Um, this woman has been advocating for nurses for uh, a half century, if not more. I'm excuse, I said a half century. Dear God, I meant a quarter of a century. It's getting late. Uh-oh. You guys have to understand. It's, it's 11 p.m. where I am, and I've been up since 6 a.m., so forgive me, Carol. Dear Lord, that was that was definitely the wrong thing to say. I meant a quarter of a century. <laughs> we all know you're far younger than that. Um and then on April 23rd, we have a mystery guest joining us. Uh, we're, we're not sure just yet. We have several excellent options, and we're trying to hammer that down. So stay tuned for our mystery guest. And finally, I would like to also – poor Keith got muted again, and, and Keith is desperately texting us um, because we, we 
foolishly forgot to uh, wish a happy Passover, so we'd like to wish everybody a very happy Passover in addition to a very happy Easter. So with that said, I wish everybody a very happy Easter and Passover, and we will see you not next week, but the following. Have a great two weeks and a great holiday. Bye-bye. Thanks so much, everybody. Night. Good night. Thanks for listening to RN.FM Radio, Nursing Unleashed. Signing off until next Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern.